industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel, I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind. On behalf of the future, I ask that you, of the past, to leave us alone. You're not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather. We have no elected government, nor are we likely to have one, so I address you with no greater authority than that which liberty itself always speaks. I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies you seek to impose upon us. You have no moral right to rule us, nor do you possess any methods of enforcement which we have true reason to fear. Governments derive their power, their just powers, from the consent of the government. You have neither solicited nor received ours. We did not invite you. You do not know us. You do not know our world. Cyberspace does not lie within your borders. And on that note, hello and welcome to a, another new episode, Series 2, Episode 3 of the Zero Award winning games podcast, Games In It, with my colleagues, a electronic beard, Oliver Dawkins. Hey, good day. A internet-connected waifu-owning Jonathan McNally. Why do I have to be the internet-connected waifu-owner? You know you've got a waifu. And me, the internet hate machine, Luke Hebblethwaite. (laughs) So... I feel like I come across really bad in these intros. Yeah. Well, you know, become a better human being. (laughs) No. Uh, that's all I can who's, say. Whose manifesto is that? Well, I'm just reading Stop reading my slum poetry. Yeah? So what have I just read? What, you, you surely, Ollie, you must know what that is. Oh, Christ. Is it uh, the Hacker Manifesto by Mackenzie Walk? I don't know. Is no, it's it, close. Is it the... Um, oh, the Cyber What's It Manifesto by... Probably not. No, it's by, Is it anonymous? I don't know. God. It's a declaration of the independence of cyberspace oh, by John okay. Perry Barlow, who went on to find the Electronic Frontier Foundation. That was written on February the 8th, 1996. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it sounds it's, like it's, it too. It's on the reading list. It's on the reading list. But it's only short. That's all of it. You can take it. It's two sides of a four. Well, I've read it. Now. Yeah, I'll have that. So, you know, I'm not sure it quite panned out how he described, <laughs> did he? We can't, the government's, we've got nothing on that. You know, you can't come here. Well, yeah, didn't. Ch- China disagrees. So, oh. why have I brought up all of them? Just like, oh. yeah, that internet. They were like, you can't have it, and they were like, mm, pretty sure we can. <laughs> Says who? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did. Well, <laughs> and, and, unless the and John Perry Barlow, ex Grateful Dead bassist, I think he doesn't just doesn't carry the same weight as like the United States deep state. Who are the Grateful Dead? They're banned. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can't say any <laughs> Don't worry, this isn't one that we know and okay, you don't. Cool. This is... And so the topic for today, and the reason I've read that out, is I want to talk about the Internet of Things. Right, Ollie, a subject close to your heart. 
Yeah, uh, I'm sort yeah. of engaged in the PhD well, related to such matters. Well, this is what you said, others. right? So the, the other day, in when we when we last did one of these uh, in the in the ep- in the opening episode of our series, you said that uh, I I quote. Oh God. Uh, let me just find it. Shit. You were using the things in your degree to make the world a better place using Internet of Things technology. Tell me how. Can't I you, think, can't you tell, Arnie? Hold on. Is that something that you can do? You're just going to take things we say and use them like this? <laughs> in a court of a court uh, podcast. Whoa. Whoa. We got to flip reverse this on I the next one. I did not know this. <laughs> yep. That's how this is going to work from now. So, yeah, you've said, you said, you said that. Okay. Right? You know, we thought about the legal ramifications of this podcast. I mean, those detail. words did come out of my mouth. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's what happens. Correct. That's what happens with words. So you know, I think you know we we've spoken before. The world needs a little bit of extra care <laughs> at, the, at the moment. So how are you fixing it for us, Ollie? Okay, the way I might be fixing it for you is by gently working out what bits of this Internet of Things stuff is okay and useful, and what bits of it aren't. So probably, I think we've talked about the Internet of Things before, but maybe we should just yeah. reiterate so yeah. for <laughs> what, what it is. So for those that have that may have not heard the last one. Waifus. <laughs> those that may have failed to listen to <laughs> yeah. this podcast. Waifus, Jonathan. Just internet connected waifus. And that's why you get called the waifu guy. <laughs> but uh, but um, basically, so the Internet of Things is about um, connecting objects... Uh, with embedded computing um, to the internet and making them communicate via the internet. What kind of objects? Well, to start with, it was... um, There were lots of cool little devices um, created by kind of hacker types. Um, There was a project, I think, called Bubbleino and something like that. And what it would do is it connected to Twitter and when um, you could change what it responded to but when a tweet was made with a certain hashtag or a tweet was made to you or you made a tweet or something like that it would blow a bubble so it's just a little fun device that was right. connected to the internet that would take an input from somewhere like twitter yeah. and give you a fun output so anything that's like on a data feed it looks at that data feed and when something happens it yeah, yeah, potentially. So you could connect it up to different things. So it was quite fun, you know, when you could use it. Um, there's this idea of kind of unobtrusive um, computing. So interfaces to the internet and, and to mm. computers that don't intrude directly on you, i.e. by flashing up a big red sort of sign you on your wrong. screen or something like that. But right. instead they just do something ambient in the background. So uh, this project was kind of cool like that because you know you can just have a look round and if your if your device is blowing bubbles my maybe you go and, full of bubbles maybe you yeah then uh, then you've probably just written a uh, article about three uh, D printing or something like that yeah. maybe <laughs> that's a reference back to twenty thirteen for those of you who've been listening to this for before we started doing it <laughs> you <laughs> you've given up the, Twitter the OG fans. Yeah. gone easy on Twitter but anyway so um, when this what what this this bubble blowing device it's called an actuator which means it, it has an effect on the world so it's mm. a it's um, a device that can do something in the world so it can blow a bubble or it might make a noise with a buzzer or something right. or it might um, turn a switch or something like that so 
part of the Internet of Things is the potential to actuate things in the world, make things happen via a, um, you know, a mechanism connected to the Internet that's responding to something that's happening on the Internet. Right. On the other side of this, you've got sensors. So these are kind of the, the components, the core components for the Internet of Things is things that are being connected by the Internet either that are actuating and affecting the world in some way mm. or that are sensing the world in some way. And so a lot of the argument about how you can make the world better, you know, looking at yeah. a really high level um, with the Internet of Things is by using lots and lots of sensors distributed around the environment. So going away from these kind of little hacker projects and scaling up to the point where you kind of have sensors all over the city that might be telling you um, um, what the temperature is or, or um, what the condition of your roads are or, mm. or measuring the, you know, um, anything you want really, measuring the height of the water in the rivers to see if there's flooding or measuring the condition of the rivers, measuring air quality. Um, you know, that's, and, and so the argument is, is that if you can have very fine-grained uh, data on what's happening in the environment, yeah. you can respond to it more efficiently, timely, and effectively. So if it gets too hot in my room, I can have a sensor that's connected to the internet that realises and turns the aircon on. Well, yeah, so I mean, I was I was just talking about um, kind oh. of like the, the, the wider scale of how... Um, sort of cities are hoping, hoping to use the Internet of Things to monitor, um, you know, the, the city-wide. But, so we can take it down a scale to these other projects where mm. it is devices, consumer devices that you have in your home. So or workplace-based or, or, or the workplace, I guess. But I think the workplace is a little more contentious. Well... Because, because you know, you could put consumer devices in there but I suppose in some ways there's a there's legislation I think on how you can monitor or w how you can gather information about your colleagues. Well, this is and interesting because today uh, I saw a tweet by a company called Proximity ID, they're a South African-based company, and what they do is they've built uh, a piece of technology they're calling the Marauders Map. Uh, <laughs> There's a rumble. Have you, have you heard of this? from Jonathan. Uh, the Marauders map. And basically, Harry Potter. it's a Harry Potter reference. Oh, oh, God. oh, I should know that. I've been doing my research lately. You have. Like a good, like a good husband. <laughs> uh, so, what it does is the idea is that it tracks where in a in your office you and items are at all times. Yeah. And what it does is it presents a map of your, you know, the floor plan of your office showing how people are moving around. Are they at their desk? Are they in the toilet? <clears throat> Where's the stapler? Where's the laptops? And they had this like little demo, but it's just basically like the most dystopian workplace so this is tracking so, tool ever. So this is like <laughs> the idea of like coming to your office. I mean, I've worked in factories, right? And like, I know like, the, the, you know, they moan at you if you go for a shit, like, because you're spending too long pooing, like, get back to work on your machine, you know. If they're, like, actually tracking, like, where you are and what you're doing, or, like, it's total, it's total, I mean, businesses are not dem democratic, but that's, like, potentially... It's facilities management gone mad. Yeah, or, or totalitarianism, <laughs> as we might like to call it. Uh, I mean, 
you know, in a uh, in a way, yeah. One thing that I'd like to know about that is how they're actually sensing what they're actually tracking, because usually when it's like Internet of Things devices, right. this is quite important. They can't track you as such. What they're tracking well, the is yeah. is either they're monitoring some um, yeah. like phenomena in the in the area around you, but that can be used to infer what people are doing in that space like a heat map something like that yeah, uh, body you, you know of like if they've got that many sensors and you can tell how the microclimate in the office is changing or something wild I'm like that that's not what they're doing um but, I think but what then so doing is you know, using your work card which has got an rfid chip in it exactly so and they're monitoring where that's going so obviously you could just leave it at your desk well, you so could, it looks if like it's you're working hard at work yeah yeah i mean in it'd be toilet. interesting because our, our fit is usually uh you have to be quite close usually to sense that depending on what type of oh so it's like a um an it's, 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 yeah it's more it's generally more like a proximity thing you have to you have to be close to it but there are different variations on it but um yeah there's an important thing there we you know we've kind of changed scale again so we should probably talk about the fact that actually lots of people already have internet of things devices in their homes so there's a product by Philips which is the hue light bulb so you can mm. change what color your lights are with a uh, with a smartphone app and you can while you're not in your house tell your lights what color they should be or whether they should be on or off or you can set the timer on fast them. as possible cycling through all colors when I'm not in <laughs> Or doing a doing a little light show, but yeah. but like um, I'm just like the stereo, kids. The stereo on full blast going do 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 do. So do, do. if someone comes up to the door, then it just gets really quiet again. Yeah. So like, this perfect. is this is something that people are getting in their homes. I'm not quite sure why. I guess they think it's kind of fun to have something that they can yeah interact with in that way. Um, so before Christmas in October, we might have mentioned it before. There was actually a video of um, researchers hacking a whole building's worth of uh, Hue lights by uh, using a drone um, flying around the building, and it had a um, it was um, uh, using the Zigbee protocol, which Hue light bulbs that's how they communicate, and it well was basically known, that well known was, Zigbee protocol. How do you was, feel about the Zigbee protocol? Yeah. I, like, I like the first one, and so that. and so. But anyway, so <laughs> so what you could do? Nod. It's a Frederick's Forsyth novel, right? I'm gonna nod here. So what so you could do? That's really is useful on a podcast, right? Not you, you, you can fly a drone around, and you can start turning people's lights on and off. Cool. Which probably it's not isn't the most that annoying thing that you can do with a drone. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty annoying. <laughs> but but so the point is, if you think about that. And then you think that there are other kinds of actuators and sensors in the environment that you might, if they're not secure, yeah. be able to um, either send data to or draw data from, then that could be quite worrying, especially if cities are thinking about using this um, technology you know, across, yeah, across well, I mean, the whole area. Yeah, well, there's a whole website, isn't there, of um, unsecured webcams that you can go on, and it's got basically any webcam. that yeah. it, it pings the internet all the time looking for anything that looks like a webcam. It's Shodan. Is it Shodan, yeah? Yeah. And, it's uh, called Shodan. It's called yeah. Shodan, yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> you got that reference? Yeah. See? Well, I played it recently, so... There you go. And I was like, oh, God, this is so hard. 
So Shodan <laughs> can look in as an all-seeing eye that looks into everyone's unsecured webcams. That's baby monitors, it's street footage, it's anything. And it's not just it's not just webcams though that they have. They have all sorts of internet connected devices. Right. So like people have found instances where there's things like oh I can't remember uh, internet connected I don't know dialysis machine or something. Don't oh. don't quote me on that, but it's something like heart monitor. I'm not quoting right? you. This is a podcast. <laughs> you quoted us earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's safe anymore. I feel like I'm gonna think about what I'm saying. Don't ask me about my PhD when I'm getting lean. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is why he does. It. I guess like looking back at the uh, the statement that I read it's out. Definitely going to be a title for. I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies that governments seek to impose on us. I don't suppose that's worked out too well in that context, right? So, so there's there's another layer right there, isn't there? Which is actually the bad it's man. not our governments necessarily that are the primary kind of actors in this whole yeah. thing. What it is arguably is lots of private tech companies mm. creating devices and then yeah selling those you know selling those as products to whether your, it's city administrations so or consumers so yeah. you've got a fit a bit it's an that internet thing. one yeah it's an internet of things device yeah so what that does is it just like harvests information about where you go how fast you're moving your heart rate that kind of stuff and stores it all on a big server somewhere it gives you a nice dashboard of what you what it's learned about you when you're sleeping when you're this what you can improve but it's also aggregating that data against millions of other people's data and it's being sold on mass to advertisers healthcare companies you know all kinds of things so, so i mean um, it's also with a fitbit it's also interesting i would imagine I imagine there's two scenarios one of which is a short maybe 15 to 30 minute period of activity in the late evening i would have thought where heart rate and everything <laughs> goes right up all of a sudden either that or they see consistently at around a certain time that the, the Fitbit seems to have been taken off. <laughs> <laughs> I expect uh, different people have all sorts of different uh, habits, be it nocturnal or... Uh... Middle of the afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you haven't got a job at the moment, have you? Afternoon delights. <laughs> <laughs> Any time's just as good as another. You don't mind if I... <laughs> yeah. So... So why are we talking about the Internet of Things and the Games podcast? So there's lots of games that get made for Internet of Things stuff. So Fitbit's a good example. There's a there's a, a running app for... Uh, I think it works on smartphones as well, but essentially it's a Fitbit-driven technology that is a zombie uh, game that uh, made by a UK company. I can't remember what it's, what it's called off the top of my head. Um, but uh, So basically, it you know it, it, it's a game based on you know running off from zombies, that kind of stuff, work, working entirely off an IoT... Wristband. Yeah, I've seen that. Actually. And makes you, you know, train against in a gamified way. A lot of this is gamification, which is something we spoke about a bit before. But like, it is that is that is very much a game. You know, Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, is a good example. You know, of okay. it's augmented reality, but it's really quite a lot like IoT, really. Um, Especially with the other. What was that? There's like a wrist thing now, isn't it? It's yeah, like there a, was like a wristwatch for it that was just like it was just a GPS tracker, but so you didn't <laughs> have to have your phone. It's basically like prison tagging yourself to play Pokemon. What Pokemon themed prison tag? Pokemon themed prison tagging. Some people would disagree uh, whether um, uh, like mobile apps and stuff are genuine mm. IoT devices, but basically, yeah, I I agree with that. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, I would say that Pokemon Go is, definitely. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just a walking up, really, if you think about it. Well, yeah, I, I suppose if, if it's... Yeah, I mean, your mobile, your mobile phone, regardless of the regardless of the software, it's the mobile phone. That's the yeah. device. That's the that's the thing. Being jiggled about, yeah, moving around. So yeah, one of the, I was in, uh, one of the things I, I, I spoke to someone about the other day. One of the guys who works for Unity <laughs> said that they've been looking at making games on IoT toasters in using Unity. Wow. He didn't elaborate on what it any the... further, but like I'm like. Is that nothing? Nothing on the mechanic? Are you? I mean, there's. Don't know, right? It's is it? Is it a toaster with a game to- controller built into the games. side? And there's or the games it- Boss of Studios, isn't it, that have the game I Am Toast, where you are a piece of toast and you go <laughs> around the kitchen. You played that? Uh, I oh, it's I Am Bread. Sorry, it's called I Am Bread. <laughs> you have to. I, mean, I think a bit of bread that has to get into a toaster. Maybe that's the point of the game. But like, it's a bit like you flop about and. They did a they did a, a crossover game with all Goat the dynamics of bread as well. Yeah, so it's iron bread. When you mentioned flopping about, I instantly remembered that game I played with you the other week. Uh, guys, game? <laughs> what game? The, the one in your office. Guys. <laughs> oh, genital jousting. Yeah. Guys. <laughs> have you not played? Have you not played genital jousting? No, I don't oh, want to play. Yes, a damn fine game. I feel like I need an adult. <laughs> it is a game on PlayStation that you control a series of penises on the screen, and the idea of it is to penetrate the bum hole of the other penises, and they all swim around on the screen like sort of eels in a barrel. Beautiful physics. Pop them. Beautiful physics simulation. And so that's the objective. You score points by getting it in there. And uh, yeah, it's pretty cock based. Well, it's very cock moving, moving, <laughs> moving on from which, I do believe there are Internet of Things um, sex toys. Yep. So you can pleasure your partner remotely, mm. possibly with the uh, aid of a nifty uh, iPhone app or yeah, Android so app that, or something. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, I remember seeing one a few years ago that was like a. Uh, a, a kissing one, right? The two people hold like I don't know, like a fake mouth. Yeah, that's and still they doing the start rounds. kissing it, but then someone else is doing it at the other end, and they basically the two devices are trading data of the internet, so that the the mouth and face of the thing you're holding in your hand, snogging, is doing similar motions to the other party. So you can you can snog so people remotely. It's, it's waifu tech. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's all coming, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's I think you know. Also from that, you could have like you know how you get like cam girls and all that. You could imagine like a scenario where like she snogs one thing and there's like a thousand dudes sitting on the. Oh, what you aggregate all the kisses up into one big mega kiss. So she's kissing everyone simultaneously over the internet. (laughs) That just got dark, didn't it? That's uh, you know what? Someone's listening right now, and they're like. Shit, why didn't I think oh of that? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Size but it's interesting, eyes. like, I think how oh, a lot of this yeah. stuff comes out. Flashpoint 3.0. Yeah, it comes out of games technology, though, doesn't it? A lot of this kind of stuff, right? So. Yeah. Just going back to uh, right. that, it, uh, the wonderful Internet of Shit website. Yeah. Uh, 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 Twitter account. So, Internet of Shit, when your vibrator app keeps crashing, so you have to give it a one star review. So this was for LoveSense wearables, um, uh, an Apple Watch app. Right. Um, 
Not working. App sticks and crashes. It was working most of the time before this last update. Every time I go to open the app, it immediately crashes. The app crashes every time while signing in. Great product, but awful technically. This is like, this is like a vibrator thing. Right. And like... You've got to sign in from your iPhone Yeah, something your vibrator. Something like this. And essentially, yeah. What's it... What is the benefit of signing in? So they can collect your data. Well, no, so that you. So the thing is, you. I believe you do it remotely, so you can buzz someone else. Oh right, so it's like zap. Yeah. Wee! Exciting times. I mean, it feels like. Does that person give you a call and goes, "I've got the uh, the old vibrator on." Yeah, okay, I'm just going to sign in. Let's going to let Apple know. Let's be fair, we've yes. talked about sad waifus and... Uh, I do agree to the terms Virtual reality telly yeah. dildonics <laughs> before. Yeah, well, okay. I'll take that box. Well, it's, it's good that we've gone straight to this area. But, yeah. Well, so, you know, this is just like yeah. when we were talking about uh, VR early on mm. and, uh, and our dismay at the time over that side of stuff. So this is out there and apparently there are very ineffectual apps... And uh, devices that are all part of this uh, strange economy of internet it's things. A strange economy, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's all it's all going sex robots, isn't it? That's basically where we're we're up. Well, so it's not are all going Japan sex now? robots. Pardon? Are we like Japan now? I think increasingly so. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's all right. Yeah, I guess. But without any other shyness. I mean, yeah, those, uh, those reviews were just like... No, no. Not so, user, whatever their name was, says... Da, da, da. Yeah, whoops. Stacy from Rotherham. App yeah. keeps crashing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So... I can't get... I'm not no. really... So... <laughs> I guess, like, it's interesting, I was going to say, like it's, like, it's interesting how, like, a lot of this stuff is kind of sort of game technologies and, like, the things we use in games, in VR... Uh, in AI, that kind of stuff that gets built into internet things, stuff, right? So, good example being like DeepMind, uh, which is a AI company that Google bought that does, you know, it's you know sort of leading in the AI space. But they, they, those guys come from a game background. They built computer games, but then they use computer games that had lots and lots of AI. And then they went, actually, the AI is the thing that interests us most, and they spearheaded off down that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. VR is the same, right? So we have, you know, it's interesting to see that like this coming from how games get built and the stuff that gets learned in, in the kind of creative process into like you know all kinds of other applications you know if you're going to make if you're going to make a sexy app for someone it's going to have to be quite rewarding as an experience in a in just the use it it's not coming out right you're making, you're making games sound wrong as well now yeah well you play with them don't you <laughs> I don't say about that uh you just gotta get. You just gotta take control. Uh, grab the bull by the horn. Yeah. So uh, yeah. But like you know, it's, you've got to be able to design something well in a way that people can use it. And I think effectively. this is this is with a lot of the consumer devices that are out there, whether they're weird sex toys or just like light bulbs that you can control, yeah. or things like your front door lock that you've decided would be yeah. a good idea to connect to the internet. No. You know, yeah, stuff. Yeah, you can get like an IT door in, so like you can lock it on your phone, because that's a good idea. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> that's a really bad idea. 
Yeah. Well, lots of people don't seem to see this. That's less secure than a traditional look. <laughs> yeah, it's also because, like, a lot of... Obviously, there's the whole hacking thing of, like, the flaws in the technology, but there's, like, usually in, in those things, there's, like, well-known or things that get out in terms of, like, ways round the... Te- you know, the, yeah, the built-in ways round. does that even serve? Like, why would you even want to be able to lock your, phone, uh, lock your door that way? Yeah, like, actual keys... Pretty, proved to be pretty good so use for quite some time as well good old physical keys arguably like good there's, old there's physical also door. the fact if you think about it though it's if you wanted to go down the street kicking the doors in you probably actually could yeah but like uh, the thing is is that most people are actually sort of alright yeah but like uh, with the with the, the differences is with the internet connected door for most people they won't be able to interact with that in any way which is great but it also makes it very easy for certain people, if it's a device that's got a published, uh, you know, or a known um, uh, zero day floor, or yeah, yeah, exactly. That you know, that's an open thing. The good, the good stuff is that generally these things get identified mm. and reported very quickly, which is you know Some, part and parcel. Sometimes. Of, well, yeah, <laughs> or you know, they might Depends not get reported for it, some time. Yeah, totally. But, but also, like, you know, my front door, right? I want to know that when I get to my front door, it's going to let me in, right? It's not going to go, oh, the Wi-Fi's down, sorry. Well, so it's not going to go, I'm downloading an update. Windows 10 is an update <laughs> on my fucking door, and I've got to stand outside for an <laughs> no, hour restarting. while it's Just doing it. I mean, so, so the other side of it is, like, the one thing that you might worry about is, right, if I've got an internet-connected door, and I, you know, and it requires an app, and I leave the, my phone at work... And how am I going to get in? But the same thing happens to you if you forget your keys at work, right? Similar thing. But maybe you don't get your keys stolen as much as you get your phone stolen at all. Hmm. You know, I don't know, something like... It does feel a little bit like, with that kind of stuff, like you're stacking... You're carrying a super wallet, aren't you, of of all of the things. Yeah, it's bad enough that my phone is like my credit card and stuff like that now. Like, maybe... No, you've you've set that up. No, no, I'm just saying this. Potentially. As an example, but yeah, the fact that you can do that and have it all in one place is good, but really bad at the same time. You shouldn't put all your things... Well, if you lose it, like, if you lose your phone, you've lost everything. you've just lost your phone now. Well, like, you know, you're out on a night out and it goes, you know, you lose it, you get snicked or whatever... Like you can't, I can't get do my house. anything. I can't get my house. <laughs> can't get your house. I can't call anyone. I can't get home. I can't get a. Can't pay uh, for anything. Can't can't get an Uber. Quite. Pal. Well, hashtag delete Uber as it's being called. <laughs> yeah. At the and they're. Uh, what, did they, what was it? They, basically, they 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 didn't do the strike. For, I can't. I don't really know. Yeah, what they happened. didn't support some strikes. So like it was the anti-immigration bill stuff. So everyone was just like delete Uber. And, I mean, isn't it just people though? Isn't Uber for the most part just like normal people that run what? the cars, that run cars? Yeah. Not like Uber is a company have Uber drivers. You are an Uber driver. You are also just the person. Actually, right? you're a you're a self contractor. Uh, if you're an Uber driver, you are not. Uh, Uber employ your services. You're self employed as okay. an Uber driver. So, yeah. so they don't have to pay any like pensions or anything for you. Just like most people's jobs now. Yeah, and there's a zero hours contracts kind of. Territory. Same with Deliveroo, same with all that kind of stuff. Hey, I didn't realise that Deliveroo also, uh, they get the, the riders get paid based on when they're delivering. Not if they're, they don't do shifts, they don't know I'm, I'm now at work. If they, no one phones Deliveroo, they don't get paid. They, so they have to kind of hang out near restaurants they can get to that they think people will phone. 
in order to then deliver from there. Yeah. So there's like good areas to be a delivery driver and then there's shit areas where no one's buying things or there's no decent the, the other, shops in that sense. The other day I was um, Fucking, that's weird. I was walking up Camden High Street and I saw a delivery guy um, coming out of a flat and going absolutely spare and the reason is because I believe a homeless guy had nicked his bike <laughs> and driven off with a pizza or something like that. Right. But I really didn't know how to respond to that one because I'm kind of like, I'm not okay with stealing, but it's probably, I've got a feeling that guy's a homeless guy and he's probably hungry, but the Deliveroo guy probably, he, now who knows, might live in, might live in like, Wolfhamstow or something and how the fuck's yeah. he gonna get home you know like if he's a bit sort of shy of cash himself so I, was, I didn't know I, I just didn't know how to feel about that one do you, th- do you think that's uh, who, who, who should I have been rooting for in that scenario I don't know just think for yourself think about yourself then I walked away confused and thought wow well, I don't want either of those you things you should have gone you know what sympathy that's for losers Right, what would Ayn Rand want? The self. That's what you should have done. You'd be, you'd the, be the, the fountainhead. The, the delivery guy to murder the... Ha- oh, I don't know, it's confusing, they're, isn't it? They're both I, just weak, Oliver, and you can smash smash them, and you'll be the golden god. Perfect, thanks, I'll do the just ca- that. A captain of industry. You're, you're, you're the excuse that I need. Why have empathy when you can have money? Um, that was honestly the worst book I've ever read. I've never read it. Oh, my God. I've read the Wikipedia page about Aaron. I wish that's all I'd read. Of you read the whole Fountainhead? All of it. Wow, it's really long, isn't it? Really long. Really? <laughs> oh my god. It's not a lot happened. It's, um. Well, yeah, let's not Do go people into talk lots? Just... Imagine that. Imagine something where people just talk lots. Slightly back onto games topics, I guess, uh, if we have to. Then you sent through a thing earlier as well, like about. It's kind of similar. Stuff in terms of how technology is uh, being used in for games. So the the, the retroblox oh, yeah. thing you sent through it was a modular console, right? The kind of so what I understood was it you can play old Mega Drive games, NES games, whatever, and there's different. So it's like a core computer. So I think it's a Kickstarter. Yeah, it looked like like, looked like it, but it's like a core computer that sits underneath it, and then you've got like these modular things you can plug in. Mm-hmm. You're gonna go right. I'll put a, D, a CD drive so that can play PlayStation games, and you take that off and put on the Mega Drive bit so you can plug a cartridge in, right? I kind of want the one that's got all of the bits so I don't have to ask about with it, but yeah. I thought I it see was that like... happening. I see that. They'll be like, oh, get this pack. Get the I Mega don't... Drive pack and... Yeah, we'll have right? Like a... Well, it is. So it's like different components. Like, you need the, the clip on Mega Drive bit that has the... the so it still looked like you needed to buy the actual pads. Yeah, so it had the original which could controls. be a problem. Yeah, which is why well, you might not just buy the console, right? Yeah. If you're going to buy a Mega Drive, I'm pretty sure Mega Drive's like three pound fifty now. Yeah, I think a bit more than that, but yeah, I mean they're not much money. Uh, if you really want a Mega to play Mega Drive games, it's probably cheaper to buy all of the con. You know, if you want to play six or seven old consoles, mm-hmm. it's probably cheaper than kickstarting that thing. Yeah. To just do that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it just seemed really weird in that a who really wants that to have all those things and isn't that just a PC with an emulator right yeah I mean the thing is the consoles themselves like Nintendo have a really shitty track record with their like their back catalogue 
I'm not sure if you, how much you guys know about like Nintendo's storefront, but it's pretty shit. They've got like they usually have like, oh, like in the Wii and stuff. Yeah, they've like, never really done a good job with how they've handled their back catalog. Even right. for, um, was it this current generation where they've kind of just Wii U? yeah, where they've had um, like they have some games that they hung up, like they've bought out like their old games, and they put them on the uh, the virtual console area. But then they're temporary. They change them out a lot. You can't keep them. It's just they've never kind of handled that, that right. whole back catalog. Yeah, that sounds right. Well. That kind of sucks. And I'm guessing this has been it's come out of that frustration where neither PlayStation like Sony haven't really done a good job with their uh, their back catalog either. I mean, they have. They're much better than Nintendo, mm. but still, they don't really like make it easy for you. Yeah, and it, that's kind of what you want. I mean, these games really shouldn't be much. They've been out. A lot, a lot of these games have been out for like 10, 15 years and it shouldn't be that much trouble to If I want to go and play Ridge off. Racer 1, I should be able to turn on my PlayStation, type in Ridge Racer 1 and find it. This should really only ever be that, right? Yeah, right. But yeah, the fact that a load of this... And there's um, a load of problems in there about emulating and supporting it on different technologies, but whether it's worth the time to do all that for the amount of money you make. I mean, a lot of people will obviously make... Uh, kind of insist that you have things like improve the quality of certain things and stuff like that but like I mean I've been fairly happy with how I've been able to play all the games so. on the, by buying the original devices through legitimate purchase mechanisms obvs yeah <laughs> yeah but they've got you know it's, it's interesting how they've managed to enhance them to have like all kinds of convenient saves speeding it up and all that kind of stuff up the processor speed tidy it all up nice so yeah, I don't know, like, it just, there's a, I mean, it's also the t- Nintendo Mini, I don't know if you've seen that, that was like, um, it looks like a little NES, but it's yeah. got like, I don't know, 60 or so original NES games on it, <clears throat> plugs into your telly, it's got two little controllers, it's quite a nice little thing, but it's like 50 quid uh, to do that, and it's like 10, I don't know, let's just say it's 50 old NES no, games. No, no, it is like that. It but it's, like you know, that's quid. cool, but is that fit worth 50 quid? Do I want to spend 50 quid on that? But this is the thing, isn't like, it? Because it sold, it was announced today, it sold 1.5 million units. You literally couldn't find one. Those things were so hard to find yeah. at one point. Just, but they shouldn't be. They're like, this most is, of the games on them are like just says a lot about, years old. Yeah. This just says a lot about people's disposable cash and how right. much they're willing to chuck at. Like, it, it strikes me like they're, they're devices for, uh, you know, middle-aged men with disposable incomes who aren't you know, don't use their you know use their laptops for work or whatever, and aren't necessarily emulating or you know using other semi-legal um, processes to play those games. But like you know, cause there's a shitload of ROMs out there on the internet. People can just download and play if one was so inclined. There are. Okay. So, <laughs> so the other side of it is, do you think what what do you think the licensing deals like uh, on the Roblox? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, not on the but on the you know Nintendo, any of these devices. Well, Nintendo is made by Nintendo, so they can just do what they want. Yeah, so, I mean the games the, themselves are still the Roblox one where it's like if it's if it can play PlayStation and Mega Drive and NES games all at once, you know, and clip in a bit and it does it. That seems to me like a licensing nightmare, uh, and you've got to get all those companies on board. That sounds tricky because uh, then you know they're big corporations as well. They're slow moving beasts. In I guess mindset. it depends. It's if you can plug in your existing cartridge. That's one thing. If you've got existing cartridges, why haven't you got the console? Well, yeah, 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 true. Like, and like, you know, my TV hasn't got the right port. Well, just get a connector. It's not that hard. It's like a quid. 
I don't know, yeah, I'm sceptical. I mean, the Nintendo Wii is kind of nice, so like, you know, I can see if you've got like, I don't know, kids or something you want to show them their old games, it's kind of a like, nice thing to have. If you're very casual about games, just want to play a few games, you know, you know from olden timesy, maybe, but like, it just, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's an okay motivation, isn't it? Maybe not everyone fetishises games quite as much as uh, certain people. Well, I'm just thinking, like, if you're going to be able to play those things, all those games, on one device, why not just have it so that you can just play them on an emulator? Like, yeah. Why one, would, like, if I was Nintendo... One mega emulator. Yeah. Right. If I was Nintendo, I would just... Then just make all of it available for everybody easy. But then... For, but for then, sale, effectively. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I would got happily be pay for, like, a crap ton of ROMs. Yeah. I mean... At if, a sensible price. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not. I wouldn't refuse to pay. I mean, those are still some of those are still good. Would you cool pay five games. pounds each? No. Would you pay a pound each? Maybe. Maybe. Depending on what it was. Yeah. So but like, you know, okay. So for like something that's like, uh, for yeah, you know, I don't know, Duck Hunt, right? Like you go. I expect Duck Hunt to be on like one thing. Yeah, on one thing with like another two hundred and fifty games. And that is where we ended the last one. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's kicking in. So you can just hear it kicking in there. It's nice. <laughs> what I haven't done there is turn the speakers off either while we're recording. Sweet. It's like it's, it's a message. We're professionals. <laughs> nothing but. Nothing but. Consumer. I like that bit. That was a good bit. So I, you were on about Resident Evil 7 as well, like big VR thing, I suppose. And we kind of wandered way off topic now. Fuck it. Right? So it's a bigger than that on this one, isn't it? So, well, all this, the topics. This, no, this podcast is yeah, so bigger now. We're covering the topics. Alright. Um, we've yeah. gone past last week's limit. We're, we're way into, into the future. Like 42 minutes ish. Okay, just look at that, that counter just there Ticking. by itself. Uh, yeah, Resident Evil 7. Um, mm. So I'm not sure how much you guys have seen of Resident Evil 7, but uh, yeah, it's got, it's got a lot of good reviews at the moment. Um, apparently it's a, a return to form that a lot of people are saying okay. so I'm not again I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with Resident Evil but like the first three games for the uh, like of the Playstation area yep. era rather were like um, they're very spooky it's quite slow yeah yeah but and, and then um, I mean, you do a lot of backtracking and stuff like that first. that's Carry that that's <laughs> that <laughs> I probably deserve it yeah um, and then after Resident Evil 4 which was like really successful it was actually when was Code Veronica? Code oh, Veronica is like the is that fit in the middle of 3 and 4? yeah Dreamcast-y era yeah yeah um, I played yeah that. after 3 it's I think good. yeah is that, isn't it yeah, like it a right. shooty one right? Is yeah that, like, one of my favourite things from Code Veronica is at one point you're sort of in the Arctic for some reason you, get, you crash a plane into the Arctic and you have to explore this sort of destroyed military base there and like you know, you can sort of walk up to things and search things. She walks up to a bookcase and she goes, "Nothing here but useless books." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, know, I just Who made this shit piss myself every time. <laughs> Nothing here but useless books. Fucking <laughs> books. <laughs> Fucking books. Useless. Yeah, well, what you need those for when there's zombies about, isn't it? Well, you might learn something. <laughs> <laughs> I know things from I mean, a book. From from a useless book but I'm happy to, oh, I might here's a here's a random valve wheel I take that with me that's going to come in handy <laughs> but you'll definitely need that to open some sort of trick door later oh, on I was, in, I was in Japan I was going up this mountain um, 
Did you forget uh, a valve? Did you no, need to right. Well, basically, it's the Thousand Tori Shrine in, in Japan where there's a Thousand Tori Gates that go up this, this mountain. About halfway up, uh, it just suddenly sort of opens up onto this little lake and there's like a little metal walkway out into this pool. It's a pool of water, I don't know, it's like 10 metres across. I mean, there's a fairly small little round pool. Uh, and then there's a little metal walkway and at the end, there was a valve that you could clearly turn, but it had been padlocked up. And I looked at it and went, I'm going to need to find a key <laughs> to come back here Backtrack. and drain this pool. Yeah. <laughs> like, computer up. games have taught me anything. I know there's going to be like a janitor's shed nearby. I can only imagine you touching it. It's locked. Come back. <laughs> Where was I? Go okay. Veronica and Resident Evil 7. Yeah, so Resident Evil 7. Um, so, uh, the first three of the Resident Evil series, very slow, kind of spooky and built tension by you having to backtrack and mm. kind of man- micromanage your supplies and stuff and then um, Resident Evil 4 came out and it was action oriented or- I can't speak it was action oriented yeah, yeah. Said, okay yeah. cool that's words that's okay. words and um, like it was it was obviously quite a lot different to the yeah, previous okay. ones and it took off it was really big and uh, mm-hmm. so Capcom obviously decided that they were going to f- make all of the uh, subsequent games like that and plow that was, straight ahead down that road and it was such a bad idea right. because Resident Evil 5 was basically a big action big action game mm-hmm. and completely just completely deviated from the original kind of formula right. which made Resident Evil Resident Evil mm. and uh, Resident Evil 6 which was just kind of an extension of Resident Evil 5 was was full on awful had quick time events and it was basically more of a cinematic the experience the fastest selling game in the Resident Evil franchise in the UK Resident Evil 6 oh no the disappointment <laughs> that's really disappointing but it, it wasn't very good I mean like it didn't get do very well critically okay so that's actually quite surprising but um but I yeah I had to write a thing about it at work the other day oh really yeah what did they um, well that I wrote that about it oh okay thank you for <laughs> well thank you for breaking up my, uh, my flow again that's, sorry that's appreciated. it's not man don't like it when I'm not talking <laughs> yeah, you no no I can understand it's it's your, it's your podcast really we're just kind of here I'm just some weird waifu dude it's yeah. cool it's, it's cool it's cool so yeah seven so seven came out and they have kind of gone back to their old roots you do a lot of backtracking it's very slow again right. but one thing they have changed is the uh, the camera perspective right now obviously this was done with VR in mind but it's now first person completely first person and it feels a bit more like if you've ever played Dead Space no mm-hmm. I know that Dead Space no okay no. Um, it's it feels a little bit more like that but again and that's got, a space horror game yeah really. and Dead Space was actually really good so if you have Steam it's on there yeah. it's like a couple of quid now yeah um, it's on Death PlayStation Space. as well I think yeah, PS3 yeah, like, maybe PS3 you get for about a pound I would have thought these things give it a look um, yeah it's, it's a fun little thing yeah. but um, yeah so Resident Evil 7 has kind of moved over to this kind of new perspective and they've obviously had VR in mind now but a lot of people have said that you know they've gone back to the old way of doing stuff and the actual people at Capcom are really surprised that this has gone over so well right. because it's just like this is what they've always done before right. and that was what was good and that's what people liked about the Resident Evil the games horror yeah that it was a horror game like a yeah. lot of people have said recently that horror games don't sell so they've always been like that's why a lot of horror games recently have been quite action oriented right like you're usually a big like military dude now in these yeah. games and uh yeah, so Capcom obviously made this game, which is back to kind of its roots, and they were really surprised that this sold as, as doing as well as it has done. Yeah. And I'm it's just one of, in the charts. I'm just like kind of like 
well, that's what you're good at. Why would yeah. you be surprised that people like the things that you're good at doing? Mm. I mean, Square had this, like Square Enix had this issue like a couple of years back with the game called Bravely Default. Called what? Bravely Default, like a J- proper heard. traditional JRPG for Nintendo DS. Right, okay. Um, yeah, that also did really well. Yeah. Square Enix was super surprised it did really well, even though that's what Square Enix do. Like, right, yeah. They make JRPGs, turn-based. And because it was like so traditional in school, they were surprised it did really well. They didn't think it would. Because everyone got really excited because it had loads of numbers on the screen and you did the same action. Yeah. Which is precisely why I got into Square Enix in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, yeah, they did that and they were surprised. Resident Evil did this and they were surprised. And I'm just kind of like, you're doing what you're good at doing mm. and you're surprised that you're doing really well. So it was just kind of like, the doy, that's exactly what you should be doing. But yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to pick that up and just say that obviously you should do what you're good at. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that they changed the viewpoint though because that was always a big thing of it but I think it could be, I could imagine it being, I'd kind of be more inclined to yeah, use it that way because the, yes. thing, the thing that I didn't like about it was you always kind of felt like you were looking out of a CCTV camera at mm. what was going on or something and yeah. you just kind of moved around in front of the camera. Yeah. It was good in some ways though. I mean, I, I like the, the sort of way it was shot Resident Evil. It was always quite good with its sort of weird camera angles that gave you, you know, unusual perspective. They were quite good at, you know, disrupting how you thought about the layouts of rooms and mm. stuff. Mm. But, yeah, first person's good. I mean, you know, I was looking at the stats for it. I think it's about 10% of people uh, up, well, they're, they're publishing stats on their website saying number of uh, VR players. It's about 10%, about 85,000 okay. people uh, playing using VR. But what that, whether that really covers, you know, I think there's some, there's some doubt as to whether playing with VR means we played it once with VR or I'm actually working my way through the whole game. Because yeah. it's PSVR this is... and I think it's, I think it's, you can get it on the PC as well. I think, yeah. I think so. I don't know. Maybe it is just PlayStation. I can't remember. I think that's going to be very interesting to see because there's still that, um, you know, there's still that whole thing around VR of someone actually managed to imagine, managing to sort of crack engagement with a game so that someone will sit there for hours on end. Can't. That's so. I mean, well, the, PS- well, the, the PS4 headset though I, I quite like the PS4 because uh, headset because it's got the flip down sort you, of, you know, know how screen. I play games I play them for ages like, <laughs> like I play games for hours on end I could imagine my just my head after a massive session just being like yeah. Oh, well, that's oh, you know that's eyes. the thing, but it'd be better. What I'm saying is, it'll be better in the PS4 headset for comfort. Because the nerd sweat can't collect around the bottom of your eyes any longer. I'm already like a. That's the worst thing at VR <laughs> conferences when you're like you put one on and it just like it's yeah. damp. You're like, oh man. Yeah. Wet wipes. Squelch. Secret key to any VR conference. Definitely. Yeah. Or just giving oh. giving your uh, participants a good scrub on the face first. Could have so wise. It's wise. All right then, chaps. What have we learned? Do we learned who the Grateful Dead are? No. No. You haven't learned how I'm going to save the world. No. No. We started with the Grateful Dead and we've ended with the sort of Walking Dead. So I suppose that's thematics in some way. I like that. You know, we got there in the end, sort of. There's an arc. There's an arc. In this game.